On today's episode of the Nifty Nick Show, I am thrilled to have on a serial gaming entrepreneur who's now an icon in the world of NFT metaverses. Sebastien Bourget is the co-founder of The Sandbox Game, a decentralized voxel-based virtual world powered by the Ethereum blockchain. This show is all about learning from those with skin in the game in the world of NFTs, and as usual, today's guest is no exception, so let's get started. If you're looking for some crypto, you just found the right spot. We wrap it up, one of a kind, NFT straight to the top. Now don't go trading based on comments, we provide in this show. It's not investment advice, but our picks do tend to blow up. Like a rocket, they say. Many people have compared it to people's every day. So if you're trying to figure out what's going on in this space, please do not worry. Your boy Nifty Nick is hot on the case. Yeah. All right. Welcome to the show, Sebastian. Thanks for coming on. Hi, Nick. That's quite an intro. Like, <laughs> I feel like I'm clubbing right now. <laughs> uh, th that's the point of it. We want to lift up the energy and... Uh, get you hyped to be on the show. So I, I wanted to kick things off. I'm really excited to have you on. Uh, this has been a week of metaverses for me and exploring different areas with different guests um, of the metaverse. Uh, and Sandbox is one of what I think is kind of one of the four primary that, you know, when I, when I hear from people in the NFT world of uh, metaverses or the term, whatever that is, Sandbox is like one of, one of the top ones, basically, um, if not the top. Uh, and so... Uh, what I thought would be uh, useful, I want to dive into what it is, but what I'm really curious about is how you got started in, in with Sandbox in particular. You have a background, it sounds like, in actual uh, gaming entrepreneurship, and you've had some successful exits and things like that. But I want to understand, you know, what like what triggered the beginning of uh, the Sandbox game. Absolutely. Well, like you say, I've been in gaming uh, together with my business partner, Archie Madrid, for over 10 years now. And that's uh, the origin of the Sandbox franchise. It all started with my previous game studio. Uh, we created this uh, IP in 2011, essentially taking a game that uh, was created by Onimatrix, uh, one of our developers in Argentina, who had a very simple game on Flash on Corrigate platform where you could just play with physical elements like in a mathematical simulator. We took it and we actually turned it into a user-generated content game on mobile where just with a touch of your finger, you could create elements, place characters, enemies, decorate your world and share it to an online gallery. It quickly turned into a major success and eight years after, nine years after now, I uh, had over 40 million installs, up to 1 million monthly active users at peak and 70 million uh, creation made by those users shared online. So definitely the success of that game came from the content, the contribution by creators. And it's a part of the success uh, I was able, um, that game studio that we co-created was acquired by Animoca Brands in 2018, which is another pioneers in the space of blockchain games. And part of that success definitely came from the creators at the end of the day. So we've been looking from the first day of creating that game studio to turn players into creators. And we kind of felt frustrated to not be able to reward those creators for the fantastic contribution they brought to the game. At the end of 2017, We've been exploring with blockchain for quite some time. We saw CryptoKitties, CryptoPunks appeared. And rather than try to just create a copycat or a clone of 
virtual cats, something else, the virtual collection on the blockchain. We thought like, let's apply this to the user generated content, then allow anyone to make their NFTs. And that's how this came to birth the idea of let's make a new version of Sandbox, this time 3D, multiplayer, multi-platform, and using the concept of NFTs and blockchain technology behind to truly reward creator, enable them to own their creation, trade them, monetize them, and build an economy where they are the prime contributor and the prime uh, rewarded for the contribution and value creation they bring to that world, to that game, to that platform. Which, uh, you know, that aspect of things seems to be a broader trend in the gaming space right now. I haven't thought, um, I'm blanking on the name of the actual other game that exists, which is not in the cryptocurrency space, but there's a lot of influencers online now that are known for essentially creating their whole communities on Twitch and other places like that, where their friends can come and interact in that universe. I, I wish I remembered the name of that game off the top of my head, uh, maybe you do, but it, it, it does seem like a broader trend. Uh, I think also um, the accessibility that you all have presented with your, you have a voxel-based editor uh, within Sandbox that enables people to create and given that voxels are like Legos, you know, you can, um, it, it becomes much easier for other people to create it. Something I'm sort of curious about though is like you see some of these existing gaming communities that were known just for like the gaming platforms. You, you integrate the blockchain component what, what I'm curious about at the moment is like, how do you see these two communities mixing in, in particular in Sandbox? Where does that fit in the grand scheme of things? Would you say today like you're mostly crypto native audience or is it more gaming community that was like, oh, this idea is an interesting one uh, and, and I'd love to monetize in this other way? Or is it a hybrid of those things? Yes, indeed. But in the space of virtual world and user-generated content, there's clearly a boom around user-generated content. Thanks to Minecraft for the past 10 years. Thanks to Roblox, who recently did an IPO in the US, which has been delayed for. So now for several months, the world has been really evangelized about the creator's economy and the capacity of like having games with 240 million active users, kids socializing into it and so on. Um, so definitely that concept is uh, very well understood now uh, globally. Um, the sandbox audience, it's a great question, like who is our core audience? At the moment, I would say it's quite hybrid. We have more than 200,000 registered accounts with a wallet. Half of them have created a wallet for the first time using um, an email address or a social login rather than a MetaMask. And through the different um, initiatives that we took at Sandbox, like to bring IPs and brands into our virtual world, to uh, facilitate the creation of a wallet, to use, to build our own platform and facilitate the creation of NFTs with our um, uh, NFT maker called Voxedit, attracting a niche market audience of uh, voxel artists first and then grow it to game creators we have been able to convert those users, some of them for the first time, some of them are already familiar with crypto. And um, that is for now the core of Sandbox. I would say mostly adult, 25 to 45 years old people. They, half of them, they discovered crypto with Sand, with Sandbox. Now they understand and they participate into 
this whole new world where they own their currency, they become their own bank, they own their asset and their identity and their lands. And I think overall that's going to continue for quite some time until we fully launch and open to the public where we'll be attracting more like of a gamer audience, enabling the play to earn economic model where converting your playtime into a revenue stream and potentially as we will be opening mobile in the future, we'll see the audience tends to skew to younger, just like Minecraft or Roblox, who initially started with adult audience, progressively switched to teenagers uh, eventually. Okay, that's really cool. Uh, so if you have, in terms of this audience, so you said uh, it sounds like what Sandbox has served as is an onboarding ramp for many of those people to the world of cryptocurrency. I want to talk about Sandbox in particular and the, the stuff that you guys are building there, communities that are being developed. But I am curious in terms of the onboarding to cryptocurrency, do you see this also being a way for people to actually transition into other currencies and this is the actual door through which they come? They may convert some of their SAND uh, tokens into Ethereum or they may uh, convert it into another currency like that. And the question that I have associated with that is like, if so, are, are you all like going to essentially have like a virtual exchange essentially where people, I mean, theoretically you could have, I, I, maybe I'm getting carried away, but you could have like a virtual currency market where people are actively uh, trading in this virtual world uh, outside of just the assets that they're collecting. One of those assets is the actual currency itself. So I don't know if that, that question was structured properly, but I am curious what you're thinking about that. Yeah, well, I think we are touching several very interesting points here. Like at first, like the notion of sandbox being a decentralized metaverse is like, we do not try to be everything at the same time or control everything. We are trying to open an ecosystem where anyone can build services, can build DAOs, can actually use the asset and potentially create new services around them. And if indeed they are coming through Sandbox for the first time into crypto and from there they are discovering a whole universe of uh, games, DeFi, uh, renting their NFTs, um, playing with their NFTs in other ways. This is fantastic at the end of the day. This is enlarging the market. This is growing how people are understanding the benefits of blockchain and NFTs in general. And, and I would be really thrilled to, to have that kind of uh, user story confirming that. Um, this is uh, going further into this idea. It's pretty important that even though we've been that uh, ramp up, you said, we still have that little friction that people understand that uh, that make people understand they are using a new kind of service, web free. What does it mean, web free? It means, oh, now I'm my, I am my bank. I need to take care of owning my cryptocurrency. I need to create a wallet. What is this thing, a wallet? I have to do a little research to understand what is it, what is it exactly? What is an exchange? What can I do with those tokens? How do I convert them? Oh, I can buy others and maybe I can convert them and so on. This is very different. If we were not introducing that friction, basically users will be just comfortable with the same routine and habits they had before. And as such, Right now, since we are still in the pioneer phase, I think they wouldn't differentiate. And if they don't differentiate, basically they feel like it, there's no difference and no difference in behaviors behind. 
So you mentioned like DeFi, uh, other different NFTs. Right now, the way of my understanding is like when you think of like voxel editors are used to create actual like digital assets, essentially like visual digital assets. But what happens to, um, you'd mentioned DeFi and things like that. What's the interface through which that occurs? Are you essentially thinking that like, okay, well, anyone can code anything because it, sand is, uh, I don't know what type of token it is. I'm assuming like ERC-20 or something like that. Like given that you have this uh, ERC-20 token, you can go build an entire exchange use it, you know, on your outside of Sandbox or is there a coding interface that they can actually build inside of the actual uh, Sandbox experience? So Sand is an ERC-20 utility token uh, at the moment. That's, it serves as a medium of exchange on the platform for uh, governance as in a near future, you can participate in staking. So we'll get to the def idea of DeFi after with some concrete examples. But also um, one thing you mentioned, like for now we chose to be a no-code uh, game maker, which means like there's literally no line of code, no API, no SDK to integrate, to build your experience. It's really drag and drop. You get your NFT, you play and you interact with your NFTs. And that's already a strong use case. Like the very few NFTs, if you look, have real utility. Like you cannot create your own adventures, world or experience. If you buy crypto art, it's mostly for collecting it, keeping it in the wallet, looking at it, and that's it. If you buy a um, sport collectible, unless there is a gameplay where you can fight or create a team and get that team to, I don't know, perform into a championship, a league or a competition, there is no mechanic behind. With a game NFTs, well, you buy a sword, you buy a character, you can play with it. Uh, you buy an enemy, you can put it into a land and create a whole adventure with fights, enemies, and so on. You buy a land, you can use that land to essentially develop an experience and monetize it in the future or rent it to another creator. It always comes with a utility behind. And those are just the use cases that we thought about. That there could be so many other being a decentralized ecosystem. Um, we will want to push those use cases, facilitate people to be creative of what they can do. And talking about DeFi, I want to describe, for example, how DeFi could be involved and attract also new kind of audience beside artists, gamers, or creators into a world like Sandbox. If you own some currency, Sand, on the platform and you stake it, you could actually win NFTs as well as token, which is already a way to well, start getting assets that could be used by other um, users on the platform and either resell it or keep it, participating to the circular economy. Now, let's say you are a player. In Sandbox, with Play to Earn, you can participate into um, a season. And the, at the end of that season, depending on your progress, you will be able to claim different rewards, different tiers of rewards. Meaning, for example, like if you play just one hour a game and you get a, after that hour a reward that is worth, let's say, $100, you literally just earn $100 an hour. Yeah. So you start thinking in finance term. And so as soon as you understood that idea, uh, you still have fun, you, it's entertainment, but you also have a revenue attached to it. You are going to make better decisions. So there is like financial education as well. If you buy the $20 word and you earn $200 instead, well, you increase your profit, you made 180. 
And you could sell that word after to someone else. Even if you sell it at $40, that other players could still earn 160. So there is maybe a benefit. And you can pull together, trying to form uh, guilds or in a decentralized term DAOs now, which could be governed and help level up your skills, increase your potential of earning, split among the participants of the guilds. We're already seeing it happen. There is um, companies that are training players and essentially splitting the rewards that are token among all the participants to those guilds. It's called Yield Guild Gaming. It's a great name, just very explicit. <laughs> and um, they are leveraging those play-to-earn games, not just one, many. So they are understanding the benefit of an ecosystem and leveraging it to actually for the benefit of the players, which is very powerful and contrasting with the previous business model uh, of gaming, which been like premium or freemium, which just trying to exploit a very few percentage of users out of uh, making them pay to support the whole industry behind. Yeah, there was a recent documentary actually that I saw. I think it maybe was Axie Infinity or something. There, there was a game that had shown up about uh, you know how play to earn has been influencing people in, I think it was in the Philippines, but other uh, second and third world countries where it was actually giving people a way to generate income when the entire economy had uh, collapsed. They were able to support themselves and it was quite inspiring. The thing that I'm curious about though is where is the economic value generated outside of NFTs? Like how do I, if I play a game, where where is that, like where is that money coming from uh, outside of the transactions that occur for actually acquiring digital assets, or is that strictly the source of the economic value? Or is it uh, also, I guess one other element could be selling mini games within the actual uh, ecosystem, but uh, are those the only two ways or is there something that I'm not even considering? No, there can be uh, more things and it's not only necessarily a zero sum game, by the way, in a sense like, I I like that you described the example of Axinfiti, they have, experience tremendous growth. Indeed, a good part of it coming from Southeast Asia with a very good documentary made in Philippines showing how they changed life of players there. Um, At Sandbox, we are right now more on the creator economy. We have had creators from around the world, Russia, Australia. Uh, Actually, I was on the phone right before with Brazil and the guy, one of the creators told me I was able to pay back some debt after selling the creation I made for Sandbox to other game creator on your marketplace. And that's the kind of beautiful user story that truly make an impact. You you see like that creator economy is not just something, it's very concrete, it's very touching. Um, and the economy into a platform and virtual world like Sandbox goes beyond just a transaction fees. You can actually uh, earn a revenue through uh, playing games and selling the NFTs that are part of it because they are limited. You can earn a revenue as well by um, charging fees to some players to access specific areas or selling content as part of uh, your experience. Those NFTs that you sell can be used as tickets to access experience and can be reused across time. So they acquire in value. You do not need to necessarily issue new ones all the time. There's also the aspect of uh, artist creator building content because you definitely need uh, to bring all the environment, all the enemies, all the things that will save a ton of time to game creator 
to bring into their game and populate their experience to make them stand out from the competition of games that will always present even if there's a limited number of experience in sandbox 166-464 there will be game that an empty game versus a super polished very beautiful great experience a lot of visual effect good fight good balance might make more popular if it gets more visitor more players it might monetize more before so it sounds like a, a very reasonable investment fashion designers creating custom outfits actually skins outfit is the number one monetizing item in many of those fortnite roblox and many mmo and virtual world game as well those are definitely contributing to the economy and as Every time any users make a transaction or purchase, we keep 5% transaction fee. And out of that 5%, 50% of it goes back into the Sandbox Foundation. So as part of our tokenomics, that foundation is going to support creators, the play-to-earn pools, and staking rewards. So essentially, incentivizing the economy again with new content um, through paying creators and game creators to bring more experience bringing players back, acquiring major IPs, uh, license, bringing um, celebrities to build their experience, to sh- make live entertainment, concerts, shows, etc. in Sandbox, supporting people through the staking rewards and, and APY, and also supporting the play to earn. So if you're a game creator and you say, I want to offer a price pool of X, the foundation can support you and say, all right, you offer X, we double it. So it makes it 2x even more attractive for your audience to come and play. That's really fascinating. The example, I think, of uh, the one that stood out to me, I think in this case, was really the unlockables, essentially, where the game, uh, I I can see that uh, being value that's generated there was you played, you unlocked uh, this asset that was limited to that game for a limited period of time and other people in the ecosystem value that and thus value is created through that. that that's just one example. You mentioned numerous others, uh, but that was one that hadn't even uh, clicked with me before. Um, so I want to discuss uh, the land and then also the broader metaverse as, as well. Uh, is there a cap on the size of land or uh, the amount of land that's going to be available uh, within Sandbox? From the very beginning, we've defined the Sandbox map to have only 166, 464 lands. There will be never any more. What people seem to not understand, they think we still issue new land. No, we just like, unlike the other decentralized virtual world, we didn't sell 100% of the map initially. We sold progressive uh, wave since December 2019. And as of today, we have sold 50% of the map. We still have lands to sell on the monthly waves, more or less, until the end of 2022. And because we, we, we have this concept of wave and we have really the logo from the brands, partners, uh, IP, celebrities that come into Sandbox on the map. We are creating really a new way to launch uh, lands and to attract creators into this virtual world by bringing their favorite brands, IP, celebrity into it and allowing them at even though you, whether you were part of the community from day one or you just discovered today about Sandbox, to get the chance to own a land, a piece of the metaverse, next to that brand, that IP or celebrity. 
And that I think is a very different concept looking back at older virtual lands, which maybe they sold the map 100% two years ago, and now it's totally um, a decentralized economy, a free market where because of the world is being owned 100% by users, the market, the price are set by users there. And it's getting very hard to acquire parcels where you want. Um, we think that offering the opportunity to still bring a novelty, always have a new content, allow to change the format, but still keep the economy in a way that we originally announced, is a new mechanism that seems to be working quite well since yesterday. Um, on the mainland sale, it sold out in 15 seconds, bringing major IPs and artists again. We announced Dead Mouse, uh, Richie Otin as a famous music, electronic music artist, and we'll have more to announce again next month and so on. Wow, that, that is incredible that you sold out that quickly. And I'm sort of now, uh, I'm experiencing FOMO as a result of that, uh, <laughs> which, which uh, makes me want to uh, buy some land as well. I, I haven't had the opportunity to uh, experience Sandbox and many of the metaverses to, to a, a large extent just from a time restriction constraint. But I think everything that you've described is so fascinating from the standpoint, you know, I, I wasn't, I'm not in the Roblox community. Uh, I feel like uh, there's a large group of uh, younger kids that are like super uh, addicted to uh, uh, Roblox and, and engaged with it. Addicted may be the wrong word, uh, but uh, uh, additionally, you know, maybe uh, my my future kids will will have um, uh, either play on that or in potentially in sandbox. Uh, but it's just quite interesting to think about how that ecosystem is developing, the people that are building that land, the whole ecosystem that builds around the development of that land, and how that completely changes the game of games, uh, <laughs> which is. Uh, rather than this centralized place, it, it's transformative, you know, the approach that you're taking uh, to opening this up to everybody. And I, it, just grasping that, it, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a paradigm shift, uh, which is really incredible. So uh, one, one last thing that I wanted to hit on here is where do you see Sandbox when we discuss, you know, the term metaverse is being thrown around? I'm curious what you think. Uh, that actually means what your vision of that is as it applies to Sandbox, what you think as a whole it is. Um, I, my understanding, a lot of it comes back to like Ready Player One is like the canonical example that people use for uh, the, the quote unquote metaverse. But I'm curious how you envision that uh, in the case of Sandbox and what role Sandbox plays in the broader one or if Sandbox, sandbox is in the race to become it. Uh, that, that's what I'm sort of curious about. Absolutely. Well, I, I hear like now there's so many different definition and interpretation of what a metaverse. So mine or ours, would I would say, is hopefully as attached to the sci-fi uh, concept coming from the book and the, the movie, which is essentially us users, we could experience into digital parallel universes through virtual representation of ourselves, 3D avatars all sorts of experiences, whether they are games, they are shows, concerts, entertainment, and so on. So in that context, the sandbox is a 3D virtual world where indeed you can experience uh, games, adventures, stories, now uh, virtual shows, virtual concerts, art galleries, museum expos, um, and so on. 
And you do that through your avatar, which you can use across all the same avatar you use across all those different um, experiences. You, that avatar is your identity. It's an NFT that is in your wallet that um, you can customize with the wearables to set the look and feel you want it to have. And because also your identity and we use blockchain is also defined not just about how you look, but also like what you own, the NFTs is the perfect solution because you can see all the NFT you own into your wallet and based on what you bought, when you bought it, it defines which community you're part of, uh, where and when you have been at some point of time, whether there was a proof of... uh, uh, pr- proof of location, proof of engagement as well, token, the fact that you were part of a certain sale, the first people sale, for example. And all of that will define how others will, will want to uh, make first contact or not with you into that virtual world. The, oh, I love your uh, golden glowing sneakers, virtual sneakers. Oh, those are the sneakers of Artifact Studio that, that the first drop they did. Oh, you were part of that first drop from the community. Me as well. We are now connected. That's how you will be connecting with other users into virtual world. And the big vision over the next few years of Sandbox is to be an open metaverse in really the pure sense of it. Meaning like not only you can play and interact with NFTs being made with Sandbox NFT maker, VoxEdit in, in Voxels, but also uh, importing any NFT outside of Sandbox, whether it's an artwork, a 2D crypto art that you can put as a 2D image and display, or even better, like your CryptoPunk, your CryptoKitties, or other NFT collection, that and matching that, we're using an interoperability to give it a unique representation in Sandbox, which could be a game character that you can play with and so on. So imagine you are a CryptoPunk, it becomes a 3D character you can play into a virtual world. That's truly what the metaverse should be about. And you could use that CryptoPunk across many different um, decentralized virtual world as well. It's not attached to one. That really is a transportability of the NFTs. The, the enabling that, it will take time. It will require to create the content to match the 3D representation into each of those uh, virtual worlds. But having that capacity and enabling players to do so, I think it should be the end goal. And it's something that only into a decentralized metaverse could happen. That, that, that's an excellent answer. And the last thing I'm curious about in the context of that, where you know we throw around the ter- terminology metaverse, but what's really interesting is you, you were built natively on uh, the blockchain, in this case, Ethereum. I'm curious, are you thinking about, so there's a cost inherent with uh, taking my NFTs, in the case you used here was an avatar, of taking it with me outside of Sandbox. Uh, I'm assuming that initially it's built on the platform and then there maybe there might be a bridge that enables me to take it out into like OpenSea and places like that because there's a... There's a cost inherent today with like minting an NFT or migrating it or even transferring it to another wallet. Uh, is that all accessible today natively as an ERC721 wallet? Can I bring my own wallet? And the second part of that is, are you all thinking, uh, are, like, are you all long-term committed to Ethereum or are you thinking that 
you know, maybe we'll look at uh, other opportunities that maybe interoperate with that. For an example, Matic or something like that. The assets, so what is already on chain in Sandbox, definitely the land are ERC721. Sand is an ERC20. Uh, game assets are either are ERC1155, one standard we co-created um, to make more efficient transfer and minting thousand or if not million of assets in the batch. The uh, avatar is also in ERC721. And the game themselves, that will be tokens in Sandbox too. The, definitely, we built, we've been building for the past three years on the Ethereum blockchain. And we're preparing to integrate layer two to even uh, facilitate transaction, make them faster, cheaper, obviously, and uh, scale. Basically, be ready to scale to millions of transactions, millions of users into a whole new, another level of uh, user experience once you are on the layer two. We still the capacity to bring all your assets back to layer one if you want to transfer them. Or, and again, it's being the beauty of being part of like a decentralized ecosystem, like there will be bridges that are not built by us, but by built either by other blockchains, by other teams developing for those blockchains. And the use case, the, the use of those bridge by the users will really be driven by use cases. If I take a concrete example, I own the land in Sandbox. It's a near C721. I, I can already put it for sale on marketplace like OpenSea because OpenSea is essentially Ethereum compatible. And I want to bring it to another marketplace uh, or another let's say DeFi protocol on Binance Smart Chain. Because why? Because, well, I like that product on Binance Smart Chain. It's faster, it's cheaper, it has a community behind, it has a market. So how do I achieve? By basically, there are bridge already in place where I can migrate. There is a front cost the first time, but after that, there is all benefits of that transfer uh, onto the other chain. And again, like that's, I think very powerful in an ecosystem to think like those assets can be moved across chains, could be moved and used across apps. Um, and it's really into the end user decision to do that. Like we do not impose to everyone, oh, now let we move to another chain. So, well, we have no other choice than just migrate everyone there. Unless something cataclysmic happens and Ethereum suddenly stops to run. And unfortunately, because it is, this is such a nascent industry, over the course of the past three years, we've seen some blockchain come and go already or stop having more developer support. We hope the Ethereum one as uh, being the strongest developer ecosystem will not, is not likely to have the similar fate. But uh, yes, definitely, it has all to be built for the user first, putting user first into a consideration of user experience and what they can do with their asset token and so on. Man, this is all really fascinating. And I could speak for a long time with you about a lot of this because what we're essentially rebuilding here is entire digital marketplaces and communities and the, and the, uh, the currency that's built around that, the, uh, the experiences that are built around each of those different communities. They're all unique and they all may use their own currency. They may all use their own blockchains. They may all use like 
it's fascinating how early we are, but what you have built here is something that's quite mature and quite robust, which is really exciting. We've gone over uh, the, the, the typical length of my podcast, but I do want to, uh, last thing is, as a fellow board ape, I saw that you launched a partnership with them. That's just one of them. I'm curious, like, what do you expect out of those sort of IP partnerships? Board Ape is such a niche one. Uh, you know, you got to be in the NFT space to uh, on Twitter, essentially, to like really have been interested in um, being involved or listening to some podcasts like this one. How do you end up facilitating those different partnerships? And do they br- essentially are they each bringing in their new set of buyers? Is that is that what's happening here? Oh, I think it's because we're community driven, we find some project, we love those projects and we feel like, okay, what can we build together? Like how can Sandbox help you and your community to make something even more fun with your NFTs? Not try to create new NFTs, just with your NFT, what can we do together? And I was referring before to this idea of interoperability, the NFT bridge that allows anyone to who owns an NFT among a certain NFT collection to play with them. And we feel like Sandbox as a virtual world is the perfect place to play with your board apes, turning them from right now they are 2D images. They could become 3D characters into a virtual world and you could come and chat and socialize with older board ape owners into that 3D virtual world. I think it makes a lot of sense to to want to do that. And only now is possible. Um, also, going further, like you can think, you can create, you can use NFTs as a ticketing system. So only owner of a board ape can enter a certain experience, a certain land. Which means now, like, all right, there is a large virtual world with a lot of other experience, but there are places into that virtual world that we know is accessible only to us. How cool is that? Well, it feels a little bit like this is our private club, a private place where we could chat, we could do other great discussion. Maybe in the future, you might do your podcast directly from within the board at um, Board Ape Yard Club. Sorry, it's always hard for me to pronounce. <laughs> it's all good. Uh, private hub, right? And uh, at the end of the day, like we love the passion, we love the excitement of those community behind. That's what drives us. I think a lot of sandbox is being built around this concept, like we're listening to what users want. We're trying to make it happen. And we're bringing brands that, yes, a lot of brands comes from the real physical world. Like I mentioned, uh, Atari, Coaster Tycoon, Smurf, Care Bears, um, or Richie Otin or Deadmouth. But there's a lot of brands that are just crypto native, are part of what I would say the metaverse culture. Those brands, they are Binance, they are um, CoinMarketCap, they are the CryptoPunks, they are Artifact for virtual sneakers, and the Bored Apes, I think, are part of just that metaverse culture. And maybe just a few of us know about it, but we know. <laughs> and that's that's the fun. And when you mingle all of those communities who know, then it creates a very exciting mix that, that we hope that will be fun and engaging to play and socialize within. Man, this all sounds very exciting. And I, I, you know, I'm curious to dive in myself. Uh, if people want to access uh, Sandbox today, I know you have the website, sandbox.game. Is that the best way to uh, experience the product today? 
I think it's one of the ways to experience the product. On the main website, you can download uh, some of the tools, creators tools that are in beta. Uh, you can also just join directly from the community and then you get to chat with people and you enter Sandbox project from the people at the core of it and from the community itself. It's another way. Uh, owning a land, it's also a way to just say I'm part of the 6,000, oh, so now 7,000, actually, I should have dated the count, uh, unique landowners of we all own a piece of that virtual world uh, owning sand why not it's also a way to get exposed and get interested into the product at the end of the day i still think like the best way to be engaged into a project is to own an nft of it from there you get interested you follow you want to chat with other owners and you start to understand what true ownership means Awesome. And is the prime is the best experience like do, should I get an Oculus or like what what's uh what how do you use to access it today? Is it is it just on your uh, laptop? Just a PC. Um, there's no need for VR or AR headsets. We didn't. Uh, we are not experts in VR or AR. Uh, there's other decentralized virtual world that do that immersive part much better. I would say we chose to just be playable. With a 3D character, you don't need to be yourself as a 3D uh, with a headset as a virtual character, and it's great because it offers a diversity of choices. If you want to be immersed with VR, you know there's one place you can go. If you want to play from your web browser, there's a few other choices. If you want to play with a more gaming aspect and from a regular PC, you have also more choices. Awesome. Well, Sebastian, I just want to thank you for taking the time to come on today and discussing Sandbox. And uh, I'm definitely going to check it out myself. Uh, you know, I've checked out the website. I did not get a chance to explore, uh, but I, it is an area that I want to dive into more. And I'm sure listeners will be interested in that as well. So really, I, I do appreciate you taking the time today. Thank you, Nick. Well, it's been a pleasure. Thanks for those uh, great questions. Uh, I didn't see the time fly myself on those. And I hope like the audience will get to learn more about the board ape first <laughs> sandbox the concept of metaverse and the economic opportunities job creation and how that really impacts uh, gaming as a whole it's really exciting and it's an exciting time to be here and uh, you're making a major contribution to that so i really appreciate it that's it for this episode of the nifty nick podcast and if you made it this far make sure to subscribe at the nifty.com thanks again